I go now to Simon Diner in Woodstock. Simon, hi. Do I have your name correct? Yes, you do. Thank you. So you've got a big day to, tomorrow. Yes, everything seems to start tomorrow and it runs right through until Saturday night. Now, the, the, the Lexus South African menswear thing, it's, it's the only platform that is dedicated to menswear, um, but it does take place twice a year in Cape Town. So this is not uh, a, a, a once-off in the year, but it's a big deal, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is the only focused platform on the continent. Actually, this year, there is a menswear launching in Lagos as well. But we really went about when we created the platform to work with the global calendar and the organizations that put those events together to bring legitimacy to the platform. It's the only fashion week on the continent, part of a global calendar. So it go, it's just Paris Men's has finished. It's now Africa's turn, and we do bring the whole continent together. And then it moves on to New York. So, yeah, we're quite proud about that. And it is something to be proud of. Now, um, it's a lot of work. I'm surprised you sound so calm. Uh, <laughs> is there not a frantic last-minute push, or is that just in the movies? Um, no, there's a lot happening behind the scenes. Um, but, you know, we, we do this all year as uh, a production company that puts on fashion. So we work in about eight countries across the continent in London, and this is our own pet, you know, our baby. And, you know, uh, we're blessed to have the best production, the best suppliers, and the best designers. So everyone comes together, and it does feel like a big family twice a year. So now the menswear as a whole tends to not be as... Um, how can I put this nicely? As exciting, perhaps, as women's wear. <laughs> or is that just from my rather skewed point of view? Um, I think the, the women's fashion weeks do tend to dominate the headlines, especially when you think of international, whether it's London Fashion Week or New York or the couture shows in Paris. But at, at the end of the day, the exciting part currently is really the growth of men's. Um, London, for example, led the way with creating London Collections Men, which just became London Fashion Week Men. Titi Umo has been happening in Florence, which then moves on to Milan for for decades. And the, the real cutting-edge designers at the moment seem to be in the menswear space. So it is really, really exciting. And, and we are very lucky in the sense that even all the traditional women's media and glossies we the only fashion week that has every single one from South Africa sitting in our front row. So that, I think, speaks volumes to just how exciting it is. And also growing. The South African males and African males are realizing you don't need that imported product anymore. There's really a truly viable South African alternative or African alternative in terms of the design, the quality, and the price. And that that's part of what we set out to do, was educate the public that this alternative does exist. Is the focus, because I think really what I was getting at is in terms of, of, of smart formal wear, you know, with all these um, movie award seasons, you know, the focus is mostly on the women's clothing. The men, it's, okay, I'm wearing a um, a blue Armani or a black one or, you know, and yes. it's outrageous if you wear tackies with your suit. Um, and that's about as exciting as the men get, you know. To my yeah, mind. Unfortunately, in, in that particular um, 
space, you know, a suit too many people does become a suit. But if you do look slightly beyond that, um, there's a lot of exciting things happen in terms of um, traditional tailoring, but with African prints or new styles of fabric. There is a lot of innovation happening. And some of that trickles down into everyday wear. And it's very interesting because, you know, some people may look at what goes down the catwalk today and they just shake their heads and think, okay, these guys are crazy. But in three or four years, everyone's rushing to the mass retailers to to buy those trends that were shown today to go on sale in about six months' time. But they only become mainstream perhaps in, I don't know, a year or two. And and with regards to, to... you know, tackies or sneakers with a suit. That, that's the only way I've ever worn a suit. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's almost like you need to zhuzh it up. You know, I get there's a different cut in the suit and I get that they're fabrics. Um, but, you know, short of men wearing a kilt or, you know, um, uh, there's, 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 there is a limit. And, and the, the colors mm. are also uh, tend to be more the darker shades in the formal suit. Now, in terms of colors, though, that you were talking about, if it's not formal, I mean, sky's the limit in terms of color. Yes, that's correct. And it's something we've really worked hard over the last five seasons of Men's Wear Week to to accommodate, that our our first Men's Wear Week, we did have quite a bit of suiting. And from there, you know, a, a lot of people say that we don't wear this every day. And whilst we've had everything from the conceptual designer to the streetwear, we've really tried to balance that schedule out. And it, it was interesting today that our production teams are working, fitting the models into the outfits for, for the few days of shows. And it was interesting to see the, the, the different designs that were coming out across the genres, right from you know, everyday wearable, just great shirts through to streetwear. And then there were some great suits as well from one or two of the designers. Now, how do you choose who you show? Okay, our curation process, I I think, is where we really do shine. We've got a 16-member curation panel, and that's fashion media ranging right through to an architect we even have on the panel, through to various other industry members and retailers. And, and it is really to get as broad a sense of possi- as possible. For example, a retailer looks at something very differently to an architect through to, for example, we've got a trend and youth spotting of for trends person on the panel as well, and they look at something different. But there are minimum criteria such as being a, a sustainable business and being able to produce in Africa as the continent. Those, those things are our key guiding criteria and then from there you need about 12 thumbs up out of the 16 people to to make it onto the shortlist and it's actually quite a rigorous process and it takes about a year to get onto the schedule because we get in excess of about 150 applications each season. It's a huge honor to be part of this. Yeah, I, I think it's something that, that the designers really do, do appreciate. And, and for us, we, we work hard to keep menswear at the forefront of, of the Fashion Week platforms because I think it's it's doing great things and the way it's growing. And it, it's also a lot of work to just keep innovating and, and we, we don't want to fall behind, especially being 
our passion project for everybody involved that's grown into this, this beast of a fashion week. I interviewed Laduma and Kokolo last week, mm. and he has these wonderful garments, but they are more, um, well, the, the whole idea of honoring the 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 initiates, those colors, the, the knitwear, the diagonal designs. Um, but that, for, to my mind, is not formal wear. Do you have special categories um, like um, casual sportswear, outrageous, <laughs> um, uh, for horse racing? You know? <laughs> um, our, our, our schedule is broken up. If I, if I just take a look through it, we do have the suits and the formal suiting. I think that that's a, a very big part, especially even a lot of people assume suiting is a very big part of European menswear, but it is an incredibly big thing across Africa and, and the art of tailoring. But then a lot of our upcoming designers are, which we place a huge emphasis on, in, on developing and nurturing and finding the next generation of designers, is fairly conceptual, so, and that, that a lot of people may call the crazy things, the sleeves that sometimes extend half a meter past the hands and, and things like that. But if you do pull apart some of those crazy looks, you say, oh, but wait a minute, that pair of pants by itself is actually a beautifully made pair of linen trousers, or that shirt with the crazy scarf. If you take the crazy scarf off, it's actually a really nice white shirt that you could wear with a suit or maybe a pair of jeans. But then we've also got a lot of streetwear. It, it's a very, very big category at the moment. And and sports luxe, which is sort of a, a, a fancier streetwear that's inspired by sportswear, is also a very, very big thing. But we do really have the full spectrum of, of designers from across Africa, whether it's those high-end t-shirt brands or the guys making a full three-piece suits. So we, we've got that all that will be going down the catwalk. Now, um, I mentioned Laduma and, and his, yes. uh, his work. Um, he, of course, now has got international attention. Is, is your show a gateway to, to these international shows? Yes. Um, I, you know, I've, I've traveled the full journey with Laduma. I was at his first show in London. I think it was just before 2010. And, and subsequently, almost every other show he actually showed with us um, straight from Pitti Umo in Florence last year. And, and we have a lot of our designers, if I look in the schedule, our, our young and lazy, Rich and Nisi, Lucanio, they've all gone on because of menswear to go and show at Pitti Umo, which is one of the, the, the leading menswear platforms on earth. And they've gone on to show with Merge SA in, in London and whilst all of these are not necessarily generating mass sales, they are slowly establishing the brands, and that comes back to our curation process, whereby we really want to have a properly thought-out exportable schedule because it, it's great showcasing, but if you slowly build that demand and that credibility in the rest of the world, which I think we're finally getting right, if, if we don't do that, unfortunately... If we do send, I don't want to say rubbish, but substandard um, designers, it, it serves nobody any purpose in, in the South African fashion industry. Do you have a new designer who you're showcasing tomorrow? Um, not, not tomorrow, but we do have a few on Friday and Saturday. Um, 
And what do we they bring to, that's fresh and new? Um, for, for example, one of the designers is the label's called Another, and Willem has a story behind that saying it's another attempt by him at relaunching his label. I think the first time what he did was absolutely incredible, but he he actually went back to the drawing board and relaunched it. And when I saw it today, it's it's really a line of basics for winter. So it's a great coat. It's a great pair of trousers. It's beautiful just shirts and T-shirts. And on the surface, it's very boring, but when you look at it again, there's great detail and it comes in at a great price. It's made from amazing fabrics. And realistically, you couldn't buy the equivalent item in a chain store for the same price point that it comes in. And to us, that's really, you know, it's just really good, which makes me think of another label called Good, Good, Good. It's a young streetwear label that collaborates with various creatives and just the, the standard of design on the product is really amazing. And they, whatever they sell and they already export to New York and the likes is sold out almost instantly. So for us, that, that's, it, it's a success story because they really are doing well. Um, there, there are quite a few new ones. Um, Unknown Union is a store based on Loop Street in Cape Town, but they also work with many creatives. So, that show is going to be really interesting. There's musicians, there's poets, there's rappers that are all they're using real people to walk in the show and perform. And it's, it touches on so many items and it translates back into the clothing. It's, it is for many people something that you look at and you say, wow, but um, not everyone can pull that off, that sort of no. level of style. No, but I, I think the key is that a, a lot of the, the looks on a catwalk are what we refer to as styles looks. So they really are there. Because a, a fashion week, it, it, it's not an entertainment platform. There is a lot of glitz and glamour about it. And we, we have the celebrities and the sports people and the, the high-end businessmen attending. But a fashion week really is a business-to-business event where designers are showcasing their latest upcoming collections to the media and to buyers who then go out and report on it or pull it and shoot it. Um, but yes, they, the looks are styled, but again, it's after that that you know, the media will dismantle it and shoot some and report on this and that. And whilst it may look very styled up going down the ramp, I may just end up wearing that shirt with a plain pair of jeans and some tackies and you know, then it works because everyone does have a unique style. Now, one of the things about um, television is that everything is reality TV and there are fashion shows now. Have you thought about doing something like that for South African fashion? Um, not, not me personally, but we do have a lot of chats with <laughs> various broadcasters and you know, we, we do have a partner which is... Um, it, it's someone who was a model that I've worked with, and he's now running a, an academy to train catwalk models. And, and Jimmy does a lot of work. He, he was born in Nigeria. He's now based in South Africa. So he does a lot of television work for the continent. And he's actually putting together a series that doesn't only discuss fashion, but also everything behind it. So he's, you know, he was saying to me a little bit earlier today that just the, the current programming that he's doing is all about 
the first look that goes out onto the catwalk for a designer and why they chose to open, you know, maybe a 25-look show with that particular model wearing those particular clothes. And it was very, very interesting because I, I didn't realize sometimes that behind that there is so many reasons, even after 15 years. <laughs> now, who chooses the models? I mean, you were alluding to models. Um, the, the designer obviously you know, styles the look. Who recruits the models for these events? Okay, about a month before the event, we have a casting where our production companies that direct and produce the shows send out to all the agencies. And everyone that meets the criteria comes and casts. We, we had an excess of 380 models casting for the 90-odd model positions for this particular event. And from there, they narrowed it down to about 150 and then sat down and created the two model pools that we use at Menzo Week, which is approximately 45 in each pool. So it's, it all comes down to that look of the season. And I know the season today I was walking around and immediately I could see what the look was. And there was that real surfer beach boy with long hair and... That, that was the look, and, you know, a year or two, all the models seem to have beards. So it's very interesting to see how they cost. Then one of the conversations that uh, is often bandied around is the amount of money that male models are paid versus uh, the female models. Mm. Is, is that something your production company manages? I mean, obviously you've got more people wanting to do it than... than <laughs> So there is an honour to be on this on this uh, um, event. Yes, uh, yeah, that 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 is correct. Uh, but the model agencies, we really are honoured to have their support because male model ramp rates are really really low. Mm. But as they they are paid per show, and it does add up not not to anything hugely significant compared to some of the the big female earning, but. What happens with, with the male models is a, a lot of the faces suddenly get exposure to ad agencies and casting. They're seeing the new faces. They're seeing the established ones again. And they book a lot of work after being in a, such a high-exposure environment, such as a fashion week. So it's almost as though they do realize they earn less, but it does book them a lot of work after which afterwards okay. which okay. really you know does you know i think they they are very very good at seeing the bigger picture versus the immediate really bad rates which we're doing our best with our production teams to raise but again there's the reality of budgets now you mentioned the look of the model is there are there some other trends in terms of colors or um, lines or design that that you think people are going to note in this um yeah, I think this this season is really all about. If I sort of look, looked at today while I was just popping in and out while I was doing the model fittings, it it really seemed to be quite a muted palette for for winter. And that actually sounds so um, pretentious in a way, but it was really just earthy tones, um, a lot of green as well, and everything just seemed to be focused on easy to wear. It was the one thing I noticed because I'm. I'm not one to walk around in a suit. Um, I've, I've been voted the worst dressed person in the fashion industry two years in a row, so I carry that on the prize. But 
everything seemed for winter to be really comfortable jackets or jerseys and trousers and, and shirts, which for me was really good because as someone who doesn't wear the over-the-top fashion, it's, it's great to have stuff that I can wear every day. Now, if listeners are wanting to follow this but aren't going to be lucky enough to be invited, how, how do they do that? Do they have to wait for the media to pick it apart? Um, there, there's a lot of real-time you know, social media with, with a lot of our fashion followers who follow Men's Day Week. There, there's a hashtag that trains on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and the like, which is just hashtag Lexus, S-A-M-W. So if you plug that in in real-time, you see all the updates from everybody. And, you know, we do generate an excess of about 10,000 images and tweets over the two days. So that that's a very great way to follow it in real time. But also the, the, we have huge open public spaces whereby people can come into the, the Men's Wear Week space and get a sense of the energy and, and what's happening. We've got rail rooms, we've got partners such as MAC Cosmetics or Partners Hair um, where they can get free grooming if they want to. Or, and we work really hard not to close down the shows. I've, I've got to put that as a disclaimer that not everyone's going to get in, but we do create standing room and the like that people who really are interested, we don't want to exclude them from the experience. But it, it is an honour to be invited. So it's the... the, the the A-listers that, that tend to go, as you say, there, there are... Yes, and... Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so yeah, yes, um, but the core, I'd say 85% of the audience is industry and media, but what we've really strived hard to do is we do make about 20 to 25 tickets available to the public for every show, so that at least the, the people who are really interested can come and attend and we've also got programs for students that would like to follow and the like because re- really I, I think we, we, we build the industry by having those people who are passionate about it have the ability to attend or get involved or at least experience it in some way. Well, uh, thank you very much uh, for t- uh, talking to us about this. Uh, ben from Frederhook uh, enigmatically says, clothes don't maketh the man. Um, I, I like that you're not a fashionista yourself. You, you know, as you say, you, you know, it's, it's, you, can, you don't, because you appreciate it, it doesn't mean to say you have to don it all the time. No, and, and I think that that's the exciting thing about fashion is there are people who live and breathe it. But part of what we do is we're saying you, you don't have to go. Everyone does need to wear some clothes at some point. Um, you can't run around in your underpants. But you can you can seek out a South African alternative, and it's becoming more and more available. And we don't want you to buy it because it's South African. We want you to buy it because it's a great product. And, you know, for us, um, the clothes definitely don't make the man. But if you wear local clothes, that, that would be great because that, that industry, you, you're not supporting a sweatshop. You really are supporting families that live in your city and designers that are passionate about promoting not only our city but our country. And if they can make a living doing that, for me, that's just a really great story as well. Local is certainly liquor. Simon, thank mm. you for your time on Cape Talk. Oh, thanks, thanks for having us.